Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the New Testament, from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 14 through 28. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. This man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having released him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Good morning, all. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord on this Sunday morning, this special Sunday morning? This is Pentecost Sunday, the day the church was birthed. Go with me now into prayer. God, we come to hear your word. Adjust our hearts, adjust our minds, and focus us on the things of today. Guard our hearts, Lord, guard our spirits, so that we may receive and hear what all you have prepared for, our, for us today, on this day, your day this Lord's Day, this Pentecost Sunday. 
Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people, it is said, 3,000 souls were saved that day. 3,000 people said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I hear you, Lord. I want to be a part of the kingdom, Lord. 3,000 people. Can you imagine? Can you imagine getting caught up in the spirit on that particular day to those who were not caught up and standing back observing and witnessing this activity, it probably looked like total chaos. Total chaos, they probably said to themselves. They didn't know what was happening. They were passing judgment, or they began to pass judgment for what they saw looked like chaos. Others decided that these people who were caught up in what they call the spirit, caught up in the spirit, were drunk. They had been drinking too much wine and they probably were just needing to calm themselves down and get themselves together. Total chaos. Drunken people flooding the streets and laughing and yelling and running and being just overly joyful. What wine were they drinking? And some of them who were sitting back and observing this activity probably thought what they saw was people who had lost their mind lost their mind and just pronounced them to be crazy, for they looked like they didn't know what was going on. Now, that disorganized chaos, some people would look at and call a hot mess, because that's probably what it looks like. The world had lost it. We, in this day, even try to stay so much in control, in control of what's going on around us, in control of how we react to what's going on around us. We don't want people to look at us and think that we are crazy. We don't want people to look at us thinking that we had lost our mind. We don't want people to look at us and think we don't know what we're doing. There was no peace, just total chaos. Now even on this day, if you are observing something on the outside and you don't know what's happening with these people, you may think the same thing. But there was a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff going on. But to others 
who had not experienced this kind of awakening or this kind of feeling, it does look like total chaos. What does it, does it mean to be caught up? Probably in the excitement of a crowd. Many of us have had similar experiences, similar experiences such as when the parade or the circus it comes, that, comes to town and we get overjoyed and get caught up in the excitement. We watch fireworks and get caught up in the excitement. But it, it's more like, I guess, a raging fire that consumes everything around it. The magnitude of the heat, the magnitude of how it spreads, consumes our attention. However, there's no real comparison. When you get caught up the, in, the, uh, in, in the spirit, it's an individual thing. There is no comparison. There is what we call, if we try and make comparisons, um, what happens is we cheapen the experience and make it seem like it's nothing. The significance on Pentecost Sunday was a, an experience or a situation that changed the world forever. Even on this day, it's still changing things. Even on this day, it's still happening. Even on this day, though, people still look at people who get caught up in the spirit as crazy or just acting out. I have heard people argue on the question of how many were saved on Pentecost Sunday. Was it really 3,000? How did they count them all? I don't know if it was 3,000 or not. But it could have been 3,000, it could have been 1,000, it could have been 300, it could have been 30, or it could only have been one. But the truth is, even if it was only one person, that soul matters to Christ. Every soul won to Christ matters. In the year 2018, I joined a group of women who went inside a women's prison. Some, when I told them about what I was planning to do, thought I had lost my mind. Some of you may remember because I had to take with me and have prepared about 12 dozen cookies and I see some of the people in, um, in, in the pews today who helped me get those 12 dozen cookies. I am not quite a baker. I stumble upon doing something right every now and then, but I was trying to figure out how am I gonna get 12 dozen cookies to take? But some of you came to my rescue. But some of you also were wondering, had I lost my mind? 
or was it really safe to go in there? Hmm, I was wondering too, why did I say yes? It was a call to do ministry. It was a call from God, and I did say yes. I didn't know at that time everything I was getting myself into, but it was a significant experience that impacted me and my ministry, and the impact would be lasting. It was something that was very difficult for me. Even in preparation, I had to do all kinds of things to clear security. Um, I couldn't, I had to prepare myself for going in. I couldn't take in my luxuries such as a cell phone. I couldn't do certain things when I wanted to do them. I couldn't um, have my, all my jewelry and my nice smelling perfume and wear what I wanted to wear. Uh, and I was told that I had to stay in a confined area for a certain period of time. And if I needed to do anything, including using the bathroom, I had to go out with a guard. Huh. I thought, oh, maybe I can handle it. But even on that day, that first day, we went in for several days. Um, we went in for seven day, several days. And on the first day, even going through the checks and balances at the security point, I thought I was in for some surprises because after you clear the first security check, you have to clear several more security checks. I walked through gates that closed behind me and doors that closed behind me. And you could hear the lock click. I was not prepared as I thought I was when I discovered that all these doors that I had to go through were going to lock behind me and going out of them I had to do the same thing. But it wasn't about me. It was not about me. I was a vessel for God to use. I was a vessel because I said, yes, Lord, yes, I will do what you have called me to do. It was about the women who were in prison there. It was about the women who unfortunately, through uh, lots of circumstances, had broken the law and gotten caught up in the things of the world. It was a long, long day. I had to get up early, five o'clock in the morning. I don't usually have either of my eyes open. I had to show up early, six o'clock in the morning. I had to show up and be prepared for the security checks. I had to work and stay there all day. I believe it was seven or eight o'clock when we finished each day, but I could go home, but those women could not. I know 
that it was a difficult thing for me to do, but as I said, it impacted my ministry and I would experience it for a long time. The most significant impact though was our witness to those women who were in prison and watching them make the transformation, I realized that it wasn't what was going on on the outside that I saw in others, and it wasn't what was going on on the outside when they had broken the law and were in prison, but it was the Holy Spirit moving and within them that made the difference. Jesus saw what we saw, what we don't see. Jesus is able to look on the inside and see our hearts. And the transformation of these hardened women who were considered criminals, who had to go through their own checks before they could even enter into the room. They had security checks. They could not make a move either without getting security involved. But they were going through a transformation. And about three days into this intensive ministry, I saw hearts begin to melt. I saw the spirit move in a way that I had never seen before. These women were transformed and I was transformed even watching them and watching them and going back each year for a reunion, I could see a change that I had never seen before and it makes my heart leap even just to think about it or talk about it. There are many things that try and separate us from our God. There are many things that happen in our lives. When we become believers and we say yes to God, many things are thrown at us that tempt us that try and get our attention and pull us away from being who God has called us to be. Sometimes they are subtle changes. Sometimes it's just a promotion at your job that keeps you from coming to church on Sunday morning. Sometimes it's other people who laugh behind your back and sometimes in front of your face and say, ask you, who do you think you are? Or why are you wasting your time and your money and your energy doing things for the church? They simply don't understand. Sometimes it's a job title. Sometimes it's a new fancy car or a fancy apartment or a job with an expense account. 
that tries to grab our attention. Sometimes it's our next door neighbor. Sometimes it is someone who we thought was our best friend. Sometimes it's family member who step all over us and try and pull us away from what really matters most when we say yes to God. The transformation takes place, but is it real? I'm sure that there were more than 3,000 people who got caught up in the spirit on that day, on that particular day. But what mattered most is not what people saw happening on the outside of the person. It was what matters most was what went on inside, inside of that person. Was the spirit really taking a hold of them? If it's only on the outside and you're just doing what other people do, if you're just smiling and praising God and saying thank you Lord just because others are doing it, it's not real. It's what's happening on the inside that matters. So let your yes, Lord, be a song and a mantra of praise. Make sure your yes, Lord, means yes, Lord, I will do what you have called me to do. Yes, Lord, I will set aside my agenda for your agenda. Yes, Lord, I will be the person you have called me to be, not just on Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Yes, Lord, whether I am in the grocery store or at home at my kitchen table, if I am out on vacation, if you had said, yes, Lord, you can't turn your back at any moment and not be saying, yes, Lord. When you say, yes, Lord, it is forever. If you are saying, yes, Lord, you want that praise, you let your praise be for real. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I will say, yes, Lord, because I believe. I believe and I give my whole self away because this is who I am. Amen.